0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, hey everybody, it's the late night I Tim FFC and Andy Kenetsky. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. there's too much shit going on. Because, <laughs> first of all, before Moe came on on his set of The Simpsons, you know, and apparently has joined the Navy Seals in the since the last time we saw he's, him, he's joining the Springfield Navy SEALs. right. <laughs> right. right. Um, keeping this keeping the greater Springfield area safe. Um, so the news was breaking before and Andy and I were trying to figure out, and this is among the, the most 2020 things ever, whether or not Trump broke the news of him having COVID and, and, and the first lady having COVID or if Shams did because the tweets <laughs> came at all. I'm telling you right now, all of NBA Twitter thinks that Shams broke this story and I can't tell by the timeline. I don't think he did, but this is the world we live in right now where we're trying to figure out whether or not Shams broke the news that the president has COVID-19. Anyway, Honestly, you <laughs> <laughs>
1: Honestly I feel like an absolute... I feel like a schnook that I didn't just immediately tweet this out because maybe if we had beaten Shams by 10 seconds, Brian, the entire perception of us... Could have changed if we had just <laughs> tweeted out. Because, I mean, like, because Shams didn't even say, like, sources say sources, or whatever. No, he just said it. That's what right. I'm saying. Right, which, may, which leads me to believe that Shams, and due respect to Shams, he's great at breaking news. I mean, we I think all three of us would agree he's fantastic at it. I am led to believe that since there were no sources attached to this, that Shams was just repeating what uh, the, president the president said about him and the first out, lady. Right. But he left just enough there, enough wondering, and because Shams is a newsbreaker, there's some ambiguity. Like, <laughs> if if we tweet this out, Brian, like, does anybody believe for a second that you and I
0: well, managed no, to Andy, somehow get this? So, Andy, you did once break that Trevor Ariza I did. suspension story. I, I did once break a story. Yeah, on so I mean, Mo, that, was we, totally we on have accident. broken news before, Mo. <laughs> I, I once...
1: I once broke a story about Trevor Ariza when he was with the Lakers not getting suspended, and I did it totally by accident. I was calling a league official to try to get clarification about what he could be getting suspended for. And, you know, like the the flagrant rules, and everybody's always confused about, you know, whether or not intent and, like, the thing intent doesn't matter. Like, it actually doesn't matter at all. And for some reason, none of the announcers who call these games – ever seem to understand that intent has nothing to do with it but anyway as i'm talking with this official about this situation situation with Areza, all of a sudden he tells me well look trevor's not gonna get suspended uh it just came down and i'm like huh i'm like is it okay for me to say something he's like give me like 15 minutes and then if you want to tweet this out tweet it out it's fine so I bro, I may have broken the story but about a reason. Reason.
0: the one and only
1: Cam Bomb. <laughs> Perfect. It's what you know. What there are
2: few, but the
1: accuracy. Yes, it was one hundred percent. It was totally accurate. It was sourced and it was by accident.
0: So yeah. there is uh, just a tremendous amount of stuff to talk about um, from the NBA Finals to um, Doc Rivers going to Philadelphia, which means that Mike D'Antoni is not going to Philadelphia to. Kyrie Irving apparently is one of 13 head coaches in Brooklyn. It's just sort of this very hippie-style collaborative thing they've got going there. Uh, But I think the lead story we got to focus on first is what the hell happened to your mustache?
2: Man, it sucks. I was (laughs) cleaning, actually, like the scruff around here, right? Like the beard and things like that. And I was cleaning this area, and my hand slipped. And you know how the razor made the sound, too, of like, and I was like, oh, no, oh, no. And it didn't clearly, like, rip this part off, but it just kind of shortened it here. And I'm like, okay, this is salvageable, except I'm not nearly a professional. So (laughs) uh, it turned out it wasn't salvageable. And I was like, well, it's got to go now. That's all it is. Yeah.
0: Well, you I, mean, do, look, I, I was thinking, without it, you might look a l- little bit less like somebody uh, who would disembowel a person in an antique clawfoot bathtub. But I'm not sure, actually, because you got so you're kind of going with the the Mohawkie sort of look now too. A, so a,
2: l- a little bit. I, I so I've gone to starting to give myself my own haircuts, <laughs> as you can tell. Um, you I don't know. think it looks bad, Mo. I am honest. I like it. I really don't. I it, I waffle sometimes. I'm like, oh, I went too high. You know, with it, normally I don't go this far up. And, and other times I'm like, oh, no, it works. And
1: I mean, yeah. Mo, you know how outraged, because I told you this at the time, how <laughs> outraged Brian and I were that we were not consulted on you losing the mustache. Like, this this really hurt. Well, apparently I nobody, wasn't really.
0: nobody was.
1: <laughs> right. I wasn't consulted. <laughs> I know, but you should have, before you went any further, you should have called one of us. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. Like you should have reached out. And I mean, it hurt. That's all I'm saying is it, that it hurt. So my point is we would tell you the truth. The hair looks good. I actually really like it. Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I, I'm So
2: far, I'm okay with it. Every now and then, I'll bust out a hat if I start to feel self-conscious. Oh, don't, know, don't, for, don't do that. Uh,
0: it Own, it. Own it, Mo. You well, know, so- else, it, it, you, it makes you that much more aerodynamic uh, when you go on your runs, which you which you post about in an inspirational <laughs>
2: It hasn't improved my run since I got my haircut. Like My pace has gotten a little bit slower. I'm like, come on, man. Where's the aerodynamics coming from? That's
0: just the sadness. That's the lingering sadness of okay, the, the losing the mustache.
1: That's true. That might be it. That <laughs> might be it. Just, thought just popped into my head really quick before we moved purely on to basketball because we were talking about you know the president of the United States and the first lady testing positive for COVID. The debates are supposed to be going on next week. <laughs> Could you do something where Hunter Biden <laughs> debates Don Jr? Oh. <laughs> like like if people are looking for something. It's a terrible idea. It is a terrible <laughs> it's a terrible idea.
0: <laughs> it's a, it a genuinely
1: <laughs> awful idea. <laughs> These things have already been derailed and debased so far as it is. I don't even want the other debates. <laughs> like so I don't
2: <laughs> I don't I, either. I I, I I I purposely made a point of like I'm out. I'm not watching the debates. I can't I can't do it. This is too much, and like I would get messages from my friends. Can you believe I'm like nope because I I am watching Fargo. That's (laughs) it.
1: Oh God, I gotta watch. I'm two episodes behind. Please, I'm not. I'm not.
2: I'm no. I'm not caught
1: up. I'm I'm a full season behind. Um, Oh, oh okay. Because I'm I'm ready for the new. I've got the new ones on the DVR. I just haven't watched them yet.
2: Yeah, so I'm on
1: season three
2: right now. Uh, uh,
1: and, and so I'm ready. Like, I'm
2: going to catch up so and great. go. That yeah, show the show is so great. It, it, I'm mad it took me so long to get there. I, I really love the second season. except for every the, season's great. The, the UFO
1: think, thing was a little like, all right, what are we doing? But I, Bokeem Woodbine in season two unbelievable. should have won. He should have won every Emmy. Like, he should have won the technical Emmys. He should have won the animated Emmys like he should have won everything. he was, he was great. so damn
2: good. it was unreal so I mean man like I, I I'm happy to have caught it but for me I'm like I'm not watching either of the debates so if this leads to the cancellations of debates, I'm all it for probably it probably will I mean <laughs> I think it actually to, right? is
1: going to and it, I mean it's the right idea you
0: really should not be doing this. If yeah, it does. It does seem uh, that they they put the timelines together, and the president did beat Shams in breaking the news of his own COVID
2: <laughs> by status. just a minute. By just a minute, but not my, by much. My guess is Shams had a typo in the original tweet and had to go back and fix
1: it, and that's how Trump was able to beat him to his own news. See, if that's the case, and this is something Brian and I could have told Shams a long time ago professionalism is overrated get the tweet <laughs> out as quick as you possibly can
2: it's amazing and my phone is going ballistic now with everybody with the news i imagine
1: you guys is, have the same thing this, uh-huh. it's i mean look this is this big one 2020, it's been, 2020 I mean, this is a big deal is. i mean it's yes, huge it's huge it's a very big deal i mean obviously and you know they're the you know the Tentacles of this, in terms of the amount of people that the president is around, you know, this is this could potentially lead to an outbreak of sorts, at least in his immediate orbit. I mean, it, I mean it's actually quite
2: serious. I mean, doesn't Vice President Biden at this point have to get a test too? Because there are, I would think so. Yeah. I, no, I mean, even Biden, because oh, that's a debate. Right, yeah. I
1: you, would think he has to, you know, and has to start thinking like that would be, well, man. I, I but th- I saw actually, and I don't remember the name of the doctor that Don Lemon was interviewing. But this is when hope the news that Hope Hicks um, had tested positive, and that uh, the president and the first lady, and you know, presumably other people, were getting tests and we we're waiting on the results. He was actually saying that he thought Nancy Pelosi should be you know super quarantining right, just between you know the people she's no. been around and her age. I mean Nancy Pelosi is, what eighty-seven or something like that? I mean she's not think she's that old, but yeah. she's old. She, am, well, of Diane Fe- am I thinking of Diane Feinstein? Diane Feinstein know, is, is that old. Is, yeah. yeah. Well Pelosi's in her I would think she's, she's close in her eighties. I don't,
0: just don't think she's eighty seven. She's eighty, exactly. Man, Nancy well.
1: Pelosi
2: looks good for 80. That's impressive. <laughs> good job, Nancy.
1: <laughs> she's a spry
0: 80. You go, girl.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't have ever guessed she was 80.
0: <laughs> you know, Mo, she also posts, posts the pace of her runs when she goes to. And I got to say, she's. Moving a little quicker than you are lately. Not I mean, surprised. Not surprised. Yeah. yeah, but I mean I'm still
2: sad. I still it, have sadness, Brian. It, it is actually,
1: you know, it is pretty serious. And there are going to be a lot of people who are going to rightly feel the need to get tested. I mean, the 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 amount of people that the president is around every single day. You know, it, and-
2: it, it, it's no, it's gonna be it's massive. Just everybody's got it. I mean, it's gonna be it's a he's a super spreader in the sense of just the amount of people he comes in contact with. And this isn't an insult in any way, it's just the reality of he right, comes he's in contact with a lot of people. Lot right. of
0: people. These yeah. are weird Mo, these are weird times we live in, and they just keep getting Weird.
2: October 1st the president of the United States got COVID like what are we what's next in the in <laughs> not, the
0: pool like I'm, I'm waiting for, it for about this month. but I'm again and how did we react as basketball people trying to figure out if Shams broke the story
2: because it's the most important thing for us <laughs> so let's just be honest that's really what we can have I mean,
0: you done it like like what does how does Woj react to that if Shams brings that story, what's <laughs> wrong reaction? What
2: would just say? They're going like, seriously? Like, what, that, that, Now I got to start working on my DC connections? Mother. Get
0: the... <laughs> <laughs> it would be that If, if anybody would be like Sopan Deb or somebody like that who actually used to cover politics, he covered the Trump campaign. He now covers basketball for the New York Times. I mean, you figure it would be him.
2: Yeah, that's unbelievable. Uh um, That's amazing.
0: Okay. the uh, we got to get to Doc at some point, and we've got to get to whatever this experiment that Kyrie Irving seems to be outlining in Brooklyn is going to be. Um, there's a ton going on in the league, but th- we're also in the middle of the NBA Finals. And the <laughs> finals it, it did start, yes. and it couldn't have begun any worse for Miami. Not just the score, but what happened. They lose Dragic. Um, probably, um, and they lose Adebayo you know, both those guys are probably out for, at least for game two. This, this thing is kind of over, right? If those guys can't play.
2: Yeah, I, it's really difficult. Like I picked the Lakers in six, you know, assuming Miami was fully healthy and I just don't know how they can score. I mean, forget about just the defensive end. I just don't think they'll be able to create enough offense to keep up. And that's if the Lakers don't even shoot as well as they did in game one, which I thought was a bit of an abnormality. I was going to say they probably won't.
0: I mean, they didn't even sustain it through the whole game. They regressed by the end of the game. They were right. back to normal.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, you know, 11 of 17 at the half, I think it was. And then 4 of 20-something in the second half. And I'm like, yeah, that's the that's the team I know in right. <laughs> the second half. And so I just don't think Miami can keep up with that and and it's not a shot on the other guys it's just that's how important Dragic is that's how important Bam is and you know with Bam gone I mean they they were struggling to guard AD with Bam right now now with him gone it's like good luck now Myers Leonard's gonna play
1: yeah seriously My my, I don't even know if Myers Leonard at this point has warm-ups I Uh -uh. mean he he has he has has he even played in the bubble he played in the seeding games but I don't think he's played at all in the playoffs Okay, this this actually gets to a question that I had planned to ask anyway, but I, I think it's teed up pretty organically. Between between Bam and Dragic, who do you think is more important for the Heat? Like who can they afford to lose less? Probably Bam, you
2: That's know. What I think
1: too. And it's it's because he's kind of
2: his ability to roll creates gravity, you know, and some of it is. You know, you got to pull in, which opens up opportunities for threes. If you don't pull in, it opens up the lob. And I think that's just kind of the issue there defensively. You know, he's the only guy that has a chance that can really guard AD. We saw what happened when they played the small guys against AD. He ate him up and they double teamed him and it didn't even, they double teamed him and sent Duncan Robinson to go double team him. Like he's not feeling that. Like that's not an effective double team for him. So, you know, I think they're just going to run into a lot of issues. I, I, for Miami, my game plan would probably just be like, I'm going zone and I'm packing the paint and let's see if the Lakers can outshoot us for three more games.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's funny. Like, I, I think I think you guys are right. It's 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 definitely Bam. Although I think Drogic has been completely overlooked in the kind of what's made Miami so good in this postseason argument. But at least they have a guy you can put on the floor – who at least plays the same position in the same kind of way as Dragic. Study's not as good but like they have another point guard they don't have another person that can pretend even to do what Bam does I mean that's that's part of the problem here like they don't have any size anyway and now you take their size and strength away you're left with Myers Leonard
2: yeah it's just issues across the board I think that's going to be the ultimate that's why if Bam's not able to play like that game's a loss. I just don't think you'll be able to win that game.
0: And if they go down to nothing, Andy, Miami's not going to be even a full you know, full complement of heat players to beat the Lakers 4 out of 5. taller. Yeah. yeah, I mean it
1: really is. I I had my prediction heading into this was Lakers in 7, and I was really confident about the Lakers, but by definition anytime you predict 7, you're giving the other team a chance. But Miami would have had to play you know, at a higher relative level than the Lakers to push it to seven, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And you know, just rare. having to play at least one game without Bam and Dragic, which sounds like it's going to be the case. They're both officially listed as doubtful. And it's it's rare when guys go from doubtful to playing over the course of 24 hours. Um, just with, with Bam, too, I also think the reason he's so important is just like that and Brian was touching on it to some degree you know in terms of you can replicate a little bit of what Drogic can do um with with playing the point guard position you know he and he actually I mean Kendrick Nunn actually played pretty well uh this yep. season I mean it was actually kind, it was a pretty big surprise I think for a lot of people that once the playoffs began that he ended up out of the rotation and obviously Spo's decision worked but with bam I just I just feel like you can't replicate on any level what he does like whether with the i mean Miami's a pretty small team as it is like in terms of guys that matter and right. and i don't think mm. that they're really built to try to offset that but but i also wanted to ask you mo like as somebody who's broken down a lot of film and knows schemes really well like how would you go about tr- like strategizing this like if you were going to try to do something, knowing that you're playing without Bam, without Drogic. Like, what would be a game plan, you think?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, defensively, again, I think your your first strategy, and I think this was kind of their strategy even in game one, it just backfired with how well the Lakers shot it in the first half, was let's just protect the paint. You can't try to take away everything. You do that, you're going to give everything up. You know, you got to pick one or two things. So let's just pack the paint we're going to have to live with KCP threes, Caruso, Rondo, all these threes that, that can possibly happen. Like we're going to have to live with that on, on the defensive end. Offensively, I think you just kind of got to go with, we got to stay with what we do. And the big thing that they do is a lot of handoffs, a lot of movement, a lot of cutting off ball cutting. There's never really anybody kind of staying put and they're going to have to find ways to get Duncan Robinson more than three looks. You know, that's the only thing it is he only got three shots in game one. That's not enough. They're going to have to – he's their best shooter. They're going to have to find ways to get him those opportunities to get hot because they're going to need to be able to hit some threes. And once you get that going, because then the Lakers got to expend a little more energy onto, onto him, it will open up a few other things. I mean, this is a – the challenge across the board is Dragic kind of triggers everything, but you got Tyler Hero who can do it. Kendrick Nunn, you know, they can, they can make some things happen. So, you know, it's going to come down to, can they just, it's, it's hard. Like it's, this is one of those things you're looking at it as Spo and you you guys saw the facial expressions Spo was making by the end of the game. Like it was, it was tough, you know, it's a tough situation to be in, but they're going to have, they're going to need Myers Leonard to, step in and, and all of a sudden kind of get rolling and, and see how things get kind yeah. of just... It, it's not ideal. You know, this is who they have. It's him and Olenek as their other bigs. And, you know, Udonis Haslam hasn't played it I don't even know if he free free
1: Free Udonis! No, because I don't want him to get hurt. It's been so long, I'm afraid he would. You can't hurt Udonis Haslam. See, I, I don't know if that's possible. This is the thinking that would get you in trouble. <laughs> Well, it'll really get Udonis in trouble. Not me. Yeah, more, I'm yeah, going I'm to be safe, Mo. Don't worry about it. I'm, I'm going to be. I hope on. so.
2: You're my guy, Andy. I hope so.
1: Uh, Memories last uh, asked, "Do you see Jimmy Butler operating more as a point forward?"
2: I mean, I'm going to see him being more aggressive. You know, he started out the game pretty aggressive. You know, and I think we'll start to see more of that. I don't know if it's going to be full point forward because again, they got Kendrick Nunn. Tyler Hero, like those two guys can bring the ball up and make things happen. Like, I don't see how necessarily Jimmy Butler turning into the point forward really saves them because I don't know if he's even that great of the role. He's a good aggressive player and and, right. and an attacking the rim and trying to get to the foul, I mean to the free throw line, but him operating as the point forward every possession, then I'm I think you're playing a little more trouble in that situation you
0: know just this whole thing just sucks because you know I'm not going to sit here and pretend I thought Miami was going to win the series even before it started Um, but I thought it had a chance to be really intriguing you know Miami had been playing so well you know they rolled through I think I think most people would agree a harder slate of teams or certainly as hard a slate of teams as the Lakers did um, and were equally impressive in doing so and like you have this situation where it's like, okay, they're a little, maybe they're a little, they're definitely less talented, but you have Eric Spolstra and you've got like, this could have been really cool. And it got ruined really before it started because <laughs> the Lakers aren't going to be get complacent. Like they're not going to overlook this. and None of those things are going to happen. And so I, I just, I'm, I'm pissed because what could have been a fun series after all of this time and all of this effort getting these guys through the bubble has been ruined before it starts.
2: That's the thing that sucks the most at the end of the day. Like we were all excited. I was excited for this final series. I thought this was going to be great basketball IQ, a lot of different things. I was excited for Goran Dragic finally kind of yes opportunity to really kind of show how good he is. Like I was in San Antonio when he kicked our ass in 2010, you know, like I remember it very vividly and you know, not too happy with him at that time. But that's the, you know, that, but like, I'm happy. To, I was happy to see him kind of really rise up. So it was really disappointing when he went down. And yeah, we, we've, we man, the, the NBA did such a great job with the bubble, getting everything going for it to kind of, the finals to end
1: up with a, a, a couple of bad injuries just blows. Especially too. I mean, the, these guys have been through so much. To reach this point, I mean, we—it's October first. They entered the bubble in mid-July. That's—I mean, like it, it really—it's nuts. So, you know, from both the Miami and the Lakers' perspective, they want the best version of this because yeah. my—you know—Miami's been through a lot to get here, and the Lakers want—they want this title to feel as earned. And, you know, as respectable as everything, you know, as possible. Because, again, they went through so much to reach this point. And and you don't want it to feel, you know, diluted on any level. I mean, you know, Anthony Davis said yesterday that, you know, you don't want anybody hurt. And they want the best. They want to beat the best version of Miami. You know, even acknowledging that all these guys can recognize that Bam and Drogage being out is an opportunity for them. You could even say it's a break for them. It's not the break they're looking for. They they feel confident they can beat them uh, the Heat
2: at full strength. Yeah. I mean, it's that simple. You just never want to see guys get knocked out and, and get hurt. And you don't want to have that. You don't want people to be able to say, oh, it was tainted or, or whatnot. But this also happens. You know, listen, the Golden State Warriors first championship, you know, Kyrie Irving breaks his kneecap in game one. Kevin Love's out before that series with the the separated shoulder i mean these are the things you know toronto with the kd achilles and, and things like that like you don't nobody wants that but this is the reality of sometimes these injuries happen and, and ruin it. i mean we can go way back to the the pistons right like in 89 it was one of those you know it's just it's it sucks when it happens it totally blows and nobody wants to see it from either side everybody might go like oh well you know you want to make it easier to win i'm like no Especially the Lakers, because you don't want people to start pointing to this, going like, "Oh, you got lucky."
0: Right, exactly. The, I was the, the yeah butts are already lining up for it, and yeah, oh yeah, but but they didn't, they didn't have to play the Clippers, they didn't have to play Milwaukee, like all that stuff. It's already lining up, and if especially if you think you're the better team, and the Lakers absolutely enter this series thinking rightly, I think that they're the better team. The, like it, you don't want to cheap in that way, and, and people will try with LeBron, with AD with whomever, to, oh, well, this ring doesn't really count. Yeah, well. BS.
2: Yeah, what's 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 so bullshit about that, am I allowed to curse? I yes, guess yes you out there Okay, good to know. Uh, after the fact, after no, I already
0: cursed. <laughs> Generally, people ask first, but that's okay. We're and, indie, baby.
2: I'm trying to sneak one in every now and then. Uh, do it. But, but the thing is, too, like when they go, oh, well, they didn't have to play the Clippers. They didn't have to play the Bucks. That's not their fault. That has nothing to do with them. The Clippers didn't do their job up three one against Denver. The Milwaukee Bucks blew it in the in the second round against Miami. Like what? That's not you can't put that on the the Lakers played
0: the guys they put in front of them. You can't. Play, right, doesn't that also indicate maybe those teams weren't as good as like absolutely? All, the, world, all the Clippers would have Clippers would have beaten the Lakers for sure. Well, do, I mean they didn't beat Denver, so like or they would have woken up. You know they they would have
1: gelled and gotten together, and you know they. They would have reacted differently had it been the Lakers or the Lakers would have kicked their asses the same way that they kicked Denver's ass in the end. And it, I think, it, I think Denver gave them a legitimate series.
0: Denver but they, 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 hard, they, but they beat the, the Lakers beat three teams in five and each one of those teams yeah. was better than the last one. And they still beat each one of them in right. five. And it wasn't
2: that everybody was expecting Portland to give Lakers, tr- the, the Lakers trouble. Like everybody, that was a, a trendy thing. Everybody we was like, Everybody's going to be, the Houston's going to give, give uh, the Lakers a run because of the small ball and it's going to make it more challenging for them. You know, like we, we, we keep doing all of these things and, and, and moving the goalposts for them. But then when they not only kick it through the uprights clear it easily, we go, oh, well, the, you know, Houston's not that good. Den- uh, Portland was tired. Denver is not very good and they're exhausted. It's like, we got to stop with this. This is this is the running joke with everything. It's like we keep even. There's a large number of people who are picking the Heat to win this series, which is fine. But it's like, yeah, the whole time I was like, you guys. Are, it's odd that the Lakers seem to have been the constantly feel like they had an uphill battle for the most part in every series. But now we're 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 trying to just dismiss their uh, the the their run to the finals.
1: Yeah. So I mean, it's just another reason that they're. They want to see Bam and Drogage play as many games as possible. And, and from the perspective of fans, I mean, because I actually think by and large, the bubble playoffs have been really good. I think they've been, I think this has been a really entertaining thing. And an anticlimactic finals would just suck.
2: Yeah. I mean, we've, we've had a great playoff run and, and it does suck if that's what we're going to get. You know, I am hoping for some sort of excitement, some sort of let's go Miami's make a run second game. Uh, Sort of thing, but I, I just don't see it.
0: Yeah, it sucks. Um, and I was hoping we'd have a lot more like post game one. What's going to happen in game two? And it's just like I don't know. I mean, cross your fingers and hoax Spo is like a sorcerer of some sort. Um, let's. L- I, I think people want to get into the doc thing um, in Philly. I know Mo, you would like to get into the doc thing as long as we promise to save time for Kyrie and Steve Nash and some of that at the end. I think we can do it. Um, people know five-year deal for Doc in um, in Philly that came together incredibly quickly. Right. Um, Moda Keel of Bleacher Report and the Athletic, your thoughts, please?
2: Yeah, no, I think it was first off. I think he's a great hire for this job. Like this is the, this is who they should have got. And I was never excited with the idea of DeAntoni. I didn't think it was a great fit. I I, I felt like they need somebody. Heard?
1: We were talking about that. Mike D'Antoni made no sense to me whatsoever for that at, roster. At
2: all. And, you know, the whole idea of, like, well, they'll trade for J- James Harden. or th- Like, none of that made sense to me. And and the thing is, too, what these guys need more than anything else is they need a coach that's going to really kind of get on them. And I think Doc's going to do that. And I've kind of equated it to Rocky Three. It's his Rocky Three moment in the sense of – and it's fitting because it's Philly – but we can run through the progression of Rocky's the first Rocky. Like, you know, he's kind of a, a, a nobody. He's not even an up and comer, right? Like he's a nobody they pluck out of nowhere to fight Apollo Creed for the championship. And he gives them a run. And I kind of think that was doc uh, uh, in Orlando, you know, out of nowhere got plucked and and, and and became a head coach with no experience. One coach of the year had a good run there. Then goes to Boston, and that's kind of where Rocky II is, right? <laughs> Makes it all the way to the mountaintop, you know, and 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 wins a championship, and the whole deal, and everything gets going. And then after a couple of years, goes to the Clippers, and this is where I think we're in, we start to enter Rocky III, because it's like my whole thing about Doc is, and and no proof or anything, but I think L.A. got to him. We all have friends who've moved out to L.A. and have gotten enamored with the la life whatever aspect it is you know the nightlife the the
1: for doc i think honestly it was sunshine every day and golf i was just gonna say it this the golf courses doc is a notorious golfer
2: and and and, and in boston you couldn't golf all the time so he had nothing else to do it was either golf or work and if there was no golf he worked and i and and i think there is an element of doc kind of letting up a little bit with the clippers over the years and this is this is all speculation on my end, but this is the Rocky Three where Rocky's fighting all the nobodies and and believing his
1: press. tomato cans.
2: Yeah, exactly. He's getting all the easy stuff, and then that's when Mr. T comes and whoops his ass, and we can say the Denver Nuggets were Mr. T in this scenario.
0: <laughs> and now he's yeah, going interesting, to interesting question here from Memories Last Mo: Who's Mickey in this? So who's Mick in this oh, scenario? Man. That's a good one. That's a good one.
2: You're you're kind you may of not have it.
0: workshop this metaphor all the way out. Oh, yeah. but
1: it, it, it's not a one for one deal. Okay, <laughs> it's not a one for one deal. I've got thoughts. I've got thoughts. Maybe uh, Mickey in this comparison. It's not an exact comparison because, thankfully, who I'm about to mention is still with us. But Ralph Lawler. There Here we go. Ralph <laughs> Lawler, older legend in that yeah. world. You know, he's, Ralph Lawler is a legit, I mean, he, he really is the greatest clipper of all time. Yes. Ralph Lawler. Is he Jewish? Mickey was Jewish. That was the most shocking thing. I remember when I saw that, when we were like, that movie came out when I was like 10 or 11. I remember seeing that Jewish star on the headstone. I was like, wait, Mickey's, Mickey's Jewish. Jewish? <laughs> Why? <What? laughs> Why not? <laughs> and, and I was really excited by learning that. You know, it's like it, it, it's always that great moment. I
2: get yeah. excited in a movie when a dude starts going, like, you know, dude goes inshallah. I'm like, yes. <laughs> <One of us. laughs>
0: as long as it's a good guy, Inst- but it's like <laughs> instantly became one of the great Jewish sports legends, <laughs> just by that. It's like a fictional character that no, like, that was completely irrelevant to his care in any way, shape, or form. But we were like, we got him, yeah. yeah. I was like, Mickey's in the tribe, that is
1: fantastic. But I, I-, I think Ralph Lawler, because I'm-, I'm sure that Doc sought some type of perspective about what it was like, you know, rejoining the Clippers. Or maybe he just went up to Ralph and said, hey, is it still as bad? Yeah.
2: (laughs) I'm sure Ralph was the barometer of of what it's been like and and what it's like now. But I think also the move to Philly is kind of the scene where, you know, Rocky goes to L.A., starts training, montage, starts getting ready to kind of show everybody. Because there was a lot of talk all of a sudden when he got fired about how Doc's overrated. You know, it might be Doc kind of coming back here a little bit. So now, you know, you got to watch out, Philly.
0: Okay, let me let me throw this one at you because this is my concern. Because I, I think we all can agree, like, Doc Rivers is not a guy you associate with a particular style. He's not like – Doc Rivers is a, you know, leader of men. Like, this is what he – and, like, I, I couldn't even begin to tell you, like, what is Doc Rivers' coaching philosophy on either side of the ball? I don't know. Um, I'm not sure there really is a concrete – answer to that question he's there to guide simmons and Embiid in a way that makes that a cohesive thing again because you go back three years ago and it's probably related more to the personnel like who was around them those two guys were unstoppable on the floor together this year they were basically even in terms of like a a net rating the two of those guys together what if this is a little bit more like a rocky balboa type situation or Rocky Five? It would really be Rocky Five, right? No, yeah, Five, where he trains
1: in he Siberia. Trains Tommy Gunn. Tommy Gunn. Tommy Gunn. Gun. No, Gun. Yeah, yeah. Like Rocky Five. That's Rocky, Rocky
0: five. five. Okay, I'm a little worried about that, like, because that's a terrible film. Um, oh, I've
2: I've completely blocked that one out of my memory, and and, and no longer like <laughs> oh, to acknowledge that it exists. It's bad. It's, it's really, really bad. You know, he
0: wins in the end, doesn't Tommy Gunn win in the end? I he think? wins
2: the belt but then, because he's not getting the proper... It's actually a very KD-type thing. He wins the belt, but is not getting the respect as the greatest fighter of all time, and actually goes into
1: a street fight street with fight. Balboa, and I believe loses. He does lose, and then the fake Don King tells Rocky, don't touch me, I'll sue you. And then Rocky <laughs> says, sue me for what? And belts him. Yeah.
0: <laughs> right. right. Well, I'm, 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 okay, so I guess in this scenario... Philly wins a title, but it breaks up really fast after that, which they would take. But you understand what I'm getting at? Like I if you go being brought there to to work, make this these two guys work together one uh, and make this relationship work. And some of it's out of his control because a lot of it depends on the personnel that's around him, and that that is a team with some massive structural problems.
2: But one thing too, but one thing too, Brian, I'm sorry to interrupt, but like the other thing too. Tobias Harris's best year as an NBA player was under Doc. Good point. And so now he's going to get to coach him again. And that's a guy, because of his contract, they have to get something out of him. And now they have the coach that knows him, has been able to get the most out of him in the past. So there is a little bit of comfort there. And you're right in the sense of he's not going to be able to make Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid get along. But he is going to be able to kind of start bringing a little more uh, discipline to the organization and to the the team, and that's something I think. And I love Brett Brown; he's my guy. But that's just something I don't think he really did a great job of over the years with those two guys. And there was a sense of entitlement and privilege amongst those guys that I think Doc's going to be able to start pulling from the pulling
1: from them and start saying like, "No, you guys got to earn this again." Okay, I'm glad that you brought up Brett Brown. Because I was thinking, you know, this the search for the Clippers head coach is still open right now. And by most reports I've read, Ty Lu is the front runner, and that makes a lot of sense. You know, he's I think he's probably got the best resume of anybody on the market right now. And I don't think there are a lot of strong choices. But in terms of just settling something, if the Clippers hire Brett Brown and basically switch coaches. That could really reveal a lot about whose fault it was that both of these teams totally crapped the bed. What do we it, think about this? It, it'd be interesting. I'm not excited about it for Brett.
2: I don't think, and and it's not it has nothing to do with Brett's coaching style or anything like that. This is a great and terrible job at the same time. This Clipper job is it's it's you got a high possibility. Hey, we got this. Potentially coach this best team, the uh, a ton of talent, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George. I don't think Montrez Harrell or, or Lou Williams will be back. I think there's still a lot more changes with the roster that are gonna happen once the offseason begins. But the expectation is the what makes this such a difficult job. The expectation is you got to win a championship right away. And I think honestly, I think Brett might need to take a year off. Maybe even go be, you know what I would like Brett to go be the assistant there. Yeah, You, you know, and, and and I'm not sure how much experience with the Clippers, with the Clippers. you know, if they bring in Ty Lu, well, you do
0: you, know, do you think Brett Brown goes and gets another head coaching job right away? Is he the kind of guy that was like well-respected enough in that role? Because I, I feel like the, the perception is he was great for a youngish team that you need to kind of guide and bring along. But when the expectations of that team weren't good, you know, weren't, weren't met when they were good, like everybody looked at Brett as the wrong guy like the way kenny atkinson might be viewed as that's a a, and, and yeah. this is uh, loud sound uh, 21 actually asked this question and this is something that I, I was wondering about and i was reminded when i was reading a column i think it was in the ringer today talking about some of these different coaching candidates why is kenny atkinson not getting any attention on any of these jobs
2: yeah. I thought yeah, for a while, I thought he, he might've had a chance with Chicago. I thought that would have been a good landing spot. I, I think Kenny would be interesting in Oklahoma city, you know, with the young, young group in that sense, it is surprising that he's I've not hired anyone yet. It, they haven't, you know, forgot. you know, and, and I think that's something that's like the, the, even, even Indiana would be interesting with him. You know, I think there's, there are opportunities there. There's there's always stuff that we may, we may not necessarily know how things went down in Brooklyn and and where where fault may lie so much with, with Kenny or where there might have been issues with Kenny. I think ultimately he's going to be a head coach again. And I think, you know, Brian, to go back to the original question of, of Brett Brown, you know, I don't see him getting the head coaching job right away. Right. In the sense of like, look how quickly Billy Donovan got scooped up. Forget Doc. Doc's a outlier. Four days, you know, got fired on Monday afternoon and got hired Thursday afternoon. That's that's pretty freakish. But, you know, Billy Donovan wasn't on the market long. You know, he was parted ways with Oklahoma City. Boom. Ended up in Chicago, I think, within two weeks, you know, and, and we haven't seen Brett's name kind of circulate anywhere. And part of that is how that team lost. You know, and and the way they looked all year just looked bad and it it, it was sloppy. So I think for him, he kind of might have to go back to to being an assistant for a year or two, whether it's in San Antonio or or with a really good team like the Clippers kind of almost rehab is his reputation and then come back or just take the year off and do what every coach does for the year, right? They go tour all the other teams and visit training camps and stuff like that. I don't know if you can do that in COVID days, but, you know, it, but that kind of thing before he gets a chance to come back.
1: There also aren't a lot of – like if you think of Brett Brown as that guy who's ideal for a, a developing team and then maybe you find the guy to get them over the hump, you know, once they develop under Brett Brown and that sort of is seen as his specialty, there aren't really a lot of availabilities right now for that type of team. Like if you look around, Houston has an opening. Indiana has an opening. OKC has an opening. New Orleans. These are all teams with, you know, playoff aspirations. You know, they've either just been in the playoffs right now or like New Orleans, you know, had, they're not, had Zion not been hurt for half yeah. the season, New Orleans would have made the playoffs right so, th- so there aren't necessarily like if Brett Brown is seen that way or I guess Kenny Atkinson is seen that way once Chicago was filled by Billy Donovan there isn't really that type of team looking for a coach
2: no and that's kind of the the stuff you you run into you know it's it's hard and and i don't know how much brett wants to constantly take on those those jobs where it's uh a team that's gone you know Fifteen and whatever. I can't do math. Sorry. Uh, Twenty and sixty-two. I had. I should have picked an easier number. Uh, But like that was, you know, I don't know how much Brett would want to go and say, "Okay, let me go rehab this job," so that four years from now, when they're finally have a, we have a playoff team ready to go or or almost a contender, you guys can let me go to hire somebody else. It's not necessarily something I think Brett would want either, And, and it's a hard label to shake. You know, we always talk about it with players having labels that they got to try to shake off. Coaches have that. Kenny Atkinson's going to have to shake off this player development label at a certain point too, right? That I, I'm more than just I can take these guys a certain way. I can take you to a championship. And I think that's going to be the the challenge for him and for Brett Brown.
0: Well, go ahead, Eddie. You're...
1: I was just going to say it's just going to be really interesting to see how – it's gonna be really interesting to see how this plays out with Doc just because like you said, Mo, there has been some talk of late that Doc has been kind of overrated or that he's been writing you know he's been writing a lot on what he achieved really for a couple seasons in Boston and it was interesting like uh, I think it was Dave Schilling i I saw put out you know a series of tweets about how he's you know Doc is a great coach and that he has a lot of respect for Doc. but the reality is, They only won three playoff series in seven. I think it was seven years coaching that team. And then I started uh, looking at the coaching records for these guys. And what was really interesting is Vinny Del Negro, the last two years he was with the Clippers, where they actually played pretty well. And, you know, he was seen as a guy that couldn't get them over the hump. But the only reason you cared is because they actually were moving in a good direction. If you – his last two seasons – he actually had a slightly higher winning percentage than Doc, and their playoff records were both losing, and there wasn't necessarily that much of a difference between Vinny Del Negro in those two years where you, really something could be expected of him, right. and the time Doc was there. and And my point isn't that Vinny Del Negro is a better coach or as good as Doc. That I don't. I don't actually think that's the case, but. Right it does underscore how little progress the Clippers actually made beyond just no longer being seen as a doormat in the NBA.
2: It's not even that they had, they also had a whole turnover, right? It was a whole different team too, in that span, you know, doc got to coach a team that Vinny coached. And I used to tell people, you know, that he'd never taken it further than Vinny. You You know, he got to the second round and got knocked out and that was it. And, you know, then they had the turnover, and now this year is the the next year they made it to the second round. It's it's not a uh uh it's not it's not like he, it's not a Steve Kerr taking sure. over for Mark Jackson situation, which is what some people expected. Well, like you know?
0: when, well, in your experience though, how like you know the Clippers obviously big disappointment they lost. The, you know, the Sixers obviously big disappointment they lost. How much of these things are related to the coach like how much does a coach make a difference in this in in these equations um i mean i, I know it can be a hard thing to quantify um but like you know is doc rivers qu- like way quantifiably better in terms of he gives you an extra five or ten wins a year more than Vinny del negro or is it like the what what makes these guys who are supposedly that good that good I think
2: the ultimate thing is the command of the locker room, you know, and that's something that doc had from day one. And some of that Mm -hmm. was the respect from having won it in Boston. I think him coming to Boston, you know, was, he was still relatively young and and not too far from his career and stuff, but was able to relate with at the time, Paul Pierce and and Antoine Walker, right. I'm not sure if Walker was there or not at the time, but when Doc first got there. But, like, you know, it, it, it took a level of, you know, he was able to come in with that kind of experience and having been through it in Orlando already right. and things like that. And, you know, it's not a shot at Vinny. It's just, you know, I was there. You know, Vinny just never fully had the the whole locker room. And Doc learned it, too. When he came to the Clippers, you know, his expectation was, you guys and I and he's he's kind of said it when I was there because I was there for Doc's first year was like you guys just didn't know how to win that's why you didn't get it done and in my head I was just like oh you just don't know the problems yet you know and 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 he learned that oh wow this locker room is a mess you know <laughs> and 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 there's a lot of clicks and there's a lot of issues there and that's something that he had you know that Doc had to figure out and it's like oh it wasn't just the co- it wasn't just coaching you know and it wasn't that. Oh, wow. Doc's a better coach than Vinny. There's no question. But it's a situation where you, there's so many things that go into it. And I think that's kind of why, you know, and I'm gonna I'm gonna take us into the next subject, the whole Kyrie oh. Irving comment. Look,
0: look who dude, thinks posting the late night happy hour now. Yeah, you
2: know, every now and then. You and you know what?
0: And you know what? And you know what? I I just texted Andy. I was like, let's use this to seg to the Nets i know i know these and things like it's mo get <laughs> out of our heads mo de am with
2: you guys i'm with you guys we're family that's it we're family I love it love <laughs> it you know but like that's kind the of
0: the st- kamenetsky brother mo de Keel.
2: yes mocha i left it blank i just put mo blank that's why i was hoping to get the camera We can name.
0: actually amend that
2: <laughs> there we go <laughs> um but yeah, you know, the, the quotes from Kyrie today, and I, uh, I imagine you guys will read them, but that stuff was just kind of asinine. <laughs> <laughs> it just didn't make sense to me. I under- kind of understood the, the, what he was trying to say, but it was just like, you know, him and Katie trying to say it's going to be a collaborative effort. Yes, it's going to be a collaborative effort. Guess what? Every coaching job is a collaborative effort. You know, no, you know, all the way down to Pop, who I think is the greatest coach of all time you know, confers, talks with his guys. What play did you like? What what did you like? What did you see? What are you, what are they doing that you think is, you know, why did they do this? Why did they hurt us? Where, where are we struggling? You know, and things like that. That's a normal collaborative thing. But at the end of the day, when it's timeout game on the line and the coach has got to draw something up. If Steve Nash is handing the clipboard to Kevin Durant in a playoff game, that's a problem.
1: Yes. You, even if it's his day to be the coach, Mo? Like yeah, like I don't know like the designation. Like if it's a Wednesday and that's KD's day. Well, like, well, I,
0: what if it's, what, what if it's, you got to give Karras a day here and there. I mean, an up and coming young guy. I mean, he's a good player. he see, be happy. He only coach seven days this entire upcoming season. I
2: like, mean, if, well, I'm just curious. Are they going to have a conch? Are they going to share a conch? Like, is this going to be, you can only speak when you have okay. the conch? Like,
1: for what people who are. For people who are unfamiliar uh, with the exact quotes, uh, Kyrie Irving was on a new podcast that I guess Kevin Durant just launched called The Etceteras, And he was talking about Steve Nash, who was, frankly, a pretty surprising hire for them. Like, not that I don't think Steve Nash could be a good coach. Just nobody really thought he was even interested in doing this. Like, it was pretty out of left field. But he had said, quote, I don't really see us as having a head coach. KD could be a head coach. I could be a head coach some days. And uh, Durant followed it up by saying it was a collaborative effort and that Jacques Vaughn could be someone that fills in. And further from that, Irving said, we always heard and saw how Nash was as a player, but also when you get to know him as a person, you understand why he can coexist with us. We don't need someone to come in with their coaching philosophy, change everything we're doing, change up the wheel, and we're going to start running on the first day of practice. No, I want somebody that's going to understand that I'm a human being first, I serve my community first, and yeah. then basketball is something I come and do every day because I love. That's no disrespect to Kenny or any of the coaches I played for. It's just Steve coming in this moment and following up with putting us together a great coaching core that was going to make us more successful. The word that stuck out to me more than anything – was coexist because coexisting is generally speaking something where there is a degree of negativity to that relationship. Like coexisting is not typically the word people use for a positive relationship. That, and maybe that's just the wrong. I, word. Like the
0: part that, the, the part that stuck out to me was the part of like, I mean, a person who understands that I'm, th- I'm a human being first. Some of this it's like, Okay. I get, I mean, oh, yes, you are, but like, that sounds like Kyrie, kyrie um, which makes well, him a very hard guy to coach. I don't think there's any question about that.
2: Yeah, no, this is a headache if you're a coach. This is a difficult situation. I Listen, I understand the, desi- the desire from Kyrie of, I'm a human being. I'm not just a basketball player. And that's 100% fair. And yes. I get that. And that's, perfectly fine and that's what i when i was working in the league you know people used to come up to me at you know parties or whatever going like what's blake griffin like i said he's a normal person he has good days and bad days you know what's cp like he has good days and he's just like us guys it's it's that simple and that and that's kind of what these guys want to be respected as what's Kyrie-
0: dave was, Dufour like
2: oh no he's absolutely nuts he's a psycho <laughs> um what's a good day for dave Dufour any day he gets to work with wood Really?
0: <laughs> um, <laughs> no he does post a lot of pictures of like furniture making and stuff
2: he, he just did a whole table that yeah and stuff either that or work on his van um and yeah for all the van jokes we've made in the past Ooh. about me he actually has one
1: uh <laughs> i gotta say dave DuFour driving around a van would be intimidating as shit like that that's an unsettling image yes it is dave is an intimidating look he's a great guy but he's an intimidating looking guy to begin with Dave dufour in a van, like, would scare the living shit out of me. I'm not gonna lie.
0: <laughs> but, but, to, back I like, to the... wait, hold on, Andy. Do you mean in a way like if he asks you to put a couch in there, you make him go in first? first of all, the big you... mistake that, that they made in silence of the Lambs*. Like, if somebody, like, even if you feel like you need to help out, they go in first. Like... Well, Dave Dufour can't pull that off. He can't pull that move off because he's
1: big enough. He can lift the couch by himself. Like that's where you know it's a scam. Dave Defore is like a horse. That guy can pick up a couch and just throw it into the van. Like he doesn't need my help to do that. This is too much. Dave praise of all this stuff. I,
2: I even though we're kind of slightly calling him a serial killer. He's he 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 is. But it's also <laughs> like this is still too much for me to handle. Uh, <laughs> the, um,
1: slightly calling him a serial. <laughs> killer.
0: A mild implication because uh, you know people know by now we, you know, we we like to tweet out stuff during the show and this and that 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 was a very inside baseball Dave Dufour specific tweet that we just put out <laughs> but I think he'll appreciate it
2: he'll enjoy it um, but the, the Kyrie stuff it's like look you know that's the thing we're talking about when a coach comes in it's commanding the locker room it's showing calmness it's showing that like this is our leader these guys are going to be the leaders on the court But they got to trust the guy on the sidelines who's drawn up the game plans and things like that. Like, here's the honest thing is I don't think they understand how much goes into coaching, you know, and I don't mean that as a shot. They've been through it. They've been coached. But in the same way as, you know, I when I worked as a video room guy, some of these guys didn't know necessarily what I did. You know, they just thought I hit a couple of buttons and boom, that was it. And I was gone out 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 of of the
0: office porn.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And I was out of the office by noon, you know, or whatever. But like they didn't understand some some of the I was there and I've slept at the office some nights or things like that and grinded like it wasn't just kind of as simple as they thought. And I think they have a very simplistic view as to the importance of coaching. And they're looking at it at just the four of them, you know, the the I mean, just looking at it as KD and Kyrie and, and Steve Nash and to a degree. You know, they threw it was nice that Katie threw in Jack Vaughn, but like I almost feel like Jock's gonna have to do the whole group project by himself. Um the 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 thing is they're not looking at their other teammates. Right. Right? Like how is Carlos Levert gonna look at it in a situation when these guys are yelling at him and he's not the one that blew the coverage? You know, how is Spencer Dinwiddie gonna handle it? How are the two of them gonna handle it when they argue with each other? Because teammates do. It's gonna happen. The two of them are gonna argue. How are they gonna handle it?
0: I mean, I don't. I don't know either one of these. I, I've had very little contact with with Katie or Kyrie over the years, and I don't claim to know the guys that I do cover in any meaningful way. It'd be incredibly arrogant on my part to 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 talk about it like that. But just looking at it on the surface, like these do not seem like two easy guys to coach, particularly in combination with each other. Like I like I just it's not it can't possibly you know, based on what we know just of katie and how he reacts to stuff and you know, the other way kyrie reacts to stuff and he's an interesting guy i think you know he had some he was he was correct in a lot of his messaging about some of the stuff around the bubble and he had a lot of you know really valid things to say none of that means that he's an easy guy to actually coach when it gets down to playing basketball
2: no that's what's that's what's made it so odd when the two of them paired up. I was just like, oh wow, this is going to be interesting. you know in those quotes or, or, or somewhere I heard you know Kyrie's talking about yeah well, we're gonna run the one three pick and roll I'm like Katie doesn't set screens. You're gonna run a three one pick and roll because you're gonna be the one setting the screen. I hope you know that Kyrie because that's what happened in Golden State like you know and, and Curry had no problem setting screens. Are we gonna have an argument between the two of them of who sets screens for who like what's
1: you know simple stuff? Well, it's just, it's a weird thing also to be saying about your new head coach that everybody knows, as respected as Steve Nash is, rightly, you know, as two-time MVP, you know, Hall of Famer, brilliant basketball mind, he's never done this before. So obviously there's going to be a learning curve for him, and Steve Nash has said there will be a learning curve for him. But when you make statements about how, you know, he's in some ways essentially going to be, The co head coach with, you know, four guys who've been named so far, but, you know, who knows if Karis LaVert or, you know, a re signed Joe Harris or DeAndre Jordan. Like, if I'm,
0: if I'm, if I'm a Jamal Crawford, I want to get back there just because I can sort of launch my next career while I'm still a player, like Like player coach Jamal Crawford.
1: That's a statement that can feel undercutting right off the Mm -hmm. bat. And there's obviously like, a collaborative effort to a lot of the, we you know being around the Lakers this year Frank Vogel has been very open about getting LeBron and Anthony Davis's feedback on a lot of things Rajon Rondo is somebody whose feedback matters and that leadership style in terms of collaboration has extended from LeBron down towards the rest of the roster they he's made a point of giving all of these guys voice in that locker room and and a presence that actually matters but there's a difference between Frank Vogel seeking out the opinion of LeBron or AD or Rondo or those guys feeling like they, they're empowered enough to say something to Frank Vogel, even maybe in front of the other guys, and what we saw from LeBron in, in whatever it was, 2016, 2017, or 2015, what, whichever with year with before Blatt. Blatt, when he said, I, I called the playoff. I called a new play. And despite the fact that LeBron was 100% correct in calling that audible, David Blatt was done at that point. He was absolutely 100% done. And you've got to be careful how you go about doing that stuff.
2: Yeah, it's a collaborative effort, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it's got to be the head coach's decision. That's why he gets paid. That's why the Nets paid him. If it's one of these things where they wanted to do this whole creative stuff, cool get a player coach pay Ky- I don't know how it would work but make Kyrie the player coach or KD it's all of these That'd things be Like weird. it would be very awkward but like <laughs> the whole thing would be you know like with the idea of you know like blatt's failing a lot of times was he wouldn't listen to the guys you know oh. that was one of his big failings and that's something that you know and that's why we had these instances where LeBron would call off a player things like that listen great coaches listen to their players absolutely. It's taking feedback. That's all it is. It's getting. Why wouldn't you, if you're Frank Vogel, ask LeBron and tap into Rondo's mind? Why wouldn't you ask AD questions to certain things of how he's feeling, where he wants stuff, and what's the what's the right look for him? You know, why wouldn't you talk to your guys? It's important, you know. And then ultimately, you got to take that information and deal with it. And if that's what they're talking about, and they just did a very poor job. Of talking about this on this podcast, well, maybe it is, and it's possible because hey, listen, they, they ain't the greatest communicators, you know. If if, if
0: no, there's a, mean, lot of,
2: a lot of lot of misquoting, just a lot of misquoting amongst them. If that's really what they're trying to get across, okay, then we need to work on our messaging. And, and and how we do that.
0: And but it doesn't That I get back to what you were saying before. But like the and this is what Phil Jackson was. Phil Jackson's brilliance as a head coach was locker room management and star management. It is not easy. You know. You know. Oh yeah, you have LeBron and AD. It's easy. You roll out the ball. You go win a title. And to some degree, yeah, I get what people mean by that. It's a talent based league, and you win if you have the two best. Play, you know, if you have two of the. You know, Anthony Davis is playing arguably like the best player on the planet right now and you know lebron has been you know no worse than like second or third all year long if you have the two best players on planet earth you probably you know you don't need a great head coach to go out and win but managing that and getting from point a to point b and particularly doing it over multiple seasons is incredibly difficult and you know that that flow of LeBron listening to Vogel and uh, you know Vogel listening to LeBron and all that stuff and taking in Rondo and taking in AD only works if those guys then turn around and give that coach credibility. And I wonder if those guys fully understand that dynamic and how easy it is to undercut the credibility of a coach. Well, that part, I'm sure they know. They've been in the league too long not to know that. They've done it. <laughs> they've done it to a degree. You know, Rondo's had his run in with a lot of
2: coaches. You know, we've we just talked about the example with LeBron and things. And LeBron tried to undercut
0: Spolstra. Right. I'm, I, was, I was talking specifically about, I, I know LeBron knows it. And I know yeah, those yeah. guys know I'm talking about KD and, and Kyrie, but they've been around long enough. They know they it. They know.
2: A Kyrie was there for LeBron. He knows. There's no way he doesn't, you know. And I'm sure he had questions with about Brad Stevens when he was in Boston. You know, it's 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 not a, a surprise in that sense. So, you know, I just I, I bet they their intent wasn't to undercut Nash, but in the way they did all of this, mm-hmm. it 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 does and it cuts him out before he even gets into it. It's hey, it's not even like hey, we're gonna help him. It's no, no, we're just gonna coach sometimes. You know, it wasn't even that it was just, Hey, no, we're going to help him. We know he's new to coaching. We're going to work. We're, we're, we're excited to help him with the learning curve. That's something that's perfectly fine to say as a, as in that situation, but to come out and go like, Oh, one day I'm going to coach. And, and and
0: it's maybe not literal, but like, it's just, it's a, it's a very millennial sort of construction to like the sort of a, a hierarchy less You see it, I mean, it's not uncommon in work environments now, much more collaborative, people working together, less about titles, more about empowerment, of everybody having a voice and all that stuff. And it's not necessarily bad if you are, and again, this is all, it's like day one. So it will not evolve in this thing where like Steve Nash isn't really the head coach and like they're 12 Right, right. But I, I can't imagine Nash heard this interview and was like, sweet. (laughs)
1: Yeah, <laughs> this, this is exactly what I, I, I want to hear. Yeah. That word, and again, this might just be a bad word choice on Kyrie's point. And Kyrie is a legitimately weird dude who I don't think often thinks through the things that he says. I mean, he I think he it's like he's focus grouping the stuff he's saying in real time. But the coexist thing was weird because, like, there is a presumption with the idea of coexistence that everybody's just sort of making this work because they have to, as opposed to it works because it works. And, you know, he had even said before, I I didn't read this part of it, but he had said, I want to give a shout-out to Kenny Atkinson. Some people came out and said, Kai and KD got Kenny fired. Look, that was completely false. Listen, Kenny was great for the group that he served, and I was very appreciative of what he was giving us throughout the season when we were playing. And then he said, we always heard how and saw how great Nash was a player. But also when you get to know him as a person, you understand why he can coexist with us. That's saying Kenny Atkinson, maybe we didn't coexist with him. Right. Right. Maybe we didn't get him fired. Like we didn't march into Sean Marks's office and say he's got to go. But they are saying he wasn't the right guy for us. He wasn't somebody that could coexist with us. Yeah. It's, it's, it's kind of silly
2: in that sense, you know, and and part of it too is like, he, Kenny didn't even get a chance to coach KD. He barely got to coach Kyrie. Kyrie was hurt most of the time. So it's, it's one of those things where like, I get it. They don't want to get labeled coach killer or anything like that. And I think we throw that around a lot, but it's just, look, they, they came in there and the organization was handed to them. You know, they picked Steve Nash. They basically are saying that in these interviews you know, it, it's those are the situations that are in on them. So they have also some skin in the game of this has to be successful. Nash has to succeed. And again, it just comes down to like how it operates. Let me just be honest with you, though. I'm going to tune into every Brooklyn Nets game I can. This <laughs> I is going to, to be fascinating. I want
0: to see who's coaching that night. <laughs> yeah,
2: it's going to be fascinating. I want to. I hope to have a conch on the
0: sidelines. You might. You might get a night. You might get a night, Mo. It could be Mo Keel night. Oh, they ain't ready for me. All right. <laughs> hey, uh, before we let you go, real quick, um, can you coexist with them, Mo.
2: I can coexist with just about anybody. That's right.
0: Uh, coexist with you don't just become the third Kamonetsky brother without being able to blend in well with any group. Yeah. Um, real before before we go like Adam Silver spoke yesterday, talked a little bit about like next season's gonna be all janky and weird. Um, what do you think happens? Like, because they, they have to the nba clearly doesn't want to be operating right now like this is not when adam silver came out and said we don't want to be a summer sport we don't like it's It's not good for anybody so they got to get themselves back on the schedule there's a zero percent chance i think that players agree to be in a bubble next year they're trying to put things off until fans can get back in the building which as we learned today could be hard given that like you know the president has COVID and like we're worried about the fall bringing it back in wisconsin they're starting, you know, we cases rising. The bubble. bubble has been incredibly successful. Right, but which you, can't, is, you can't do it all my, year.
1: It speaks to what it takes to have this
0: type of success. Correct. And so, you know, what, what do you think happens next year? Like, how do they get this thing back into a, a place where the finals are even in July or August as opposed to September, October?
2: Well, one, I think we're going to have less games next season. Just to to try to start getting the calendar back to somewhat regularity, you know, and ultimately it's, I, I, I still don't think we're going to have fans next season. I, I you know, I, I'm not as optimistic in the sense of we're going to be able to, I don't think, I doubt we'll have a vaccine that'll be widely distributed enough to everybody. I know he was saying, you know, Adam Silver was saying, you know, with the rapid really, testing, maybe we can't
0: work in the White House, sir. Mm-hmm. I, I, and you no, know what? The world is better off for it. That's not a, that's not a can-do attitude, Mo. That's a can Don't. You know what? The, nobody should want me in the White House. Are you a pelican or a pelican? <laughs> you already said you can't. Go. I mean, look at the way you've just been—I don't know—eliminating
1: yourself from different possibilities. You've already said that you can't coach the Nets. You're saying you shouldn't be in the White House. Like. You're Mo to keel, damn it. You can do all these things. <laughs> this
2: is how we ended up with uh, the the president we have now. Everybody just thought they could do the job, <laughs> 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 thinks anybody can do the job, not realizing all the work that goes into it. Kyle, like how
0: awesome it would be like years from now when you have a repeat of like the Spolstra thing versus Vogel. It's like because that was one of the big things, like two guys who you know rose from the video room. To become head coaches like that's even better like and so you need like, right. another guy who was once a video coordinator to be uh running against you
2: right well it would
0: be in the white house
2: me and steve jones going after exactly. each other me and steve jones jr going after competing
1: uh, on the campaign trail i'm telling you right now i don't even know your platform you have my vote
0: yep there we go that's what i'm talking about steve jones yeah. never been on this show
2: there we go. Well, you guys should fix that. He's great. Um, the uh, <laughs> oh, it, could, it
0: could affect my vocal, Steve Jones.
2: <laughs> um, the uh, uh, Again, I'm not good at campaigning. Um, but I think what we're going to see is without fans – I don't think we'll have fans, but I think we might start to see like mini bubble pods. You know, kind of like, okay, one-month pod, play a bunch of games for, for – it, in, in different areas, right? So it's going to be multiple pods going off at the same time. It's going to be weird. Like, everybody should buckle up. It's going to be very awkward and, and 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 weird. And we'll figure – maybe it is World Cup-style time. I don't know. Uh, it, it's – who knows how, how they want to do it. But it's – open yourselves to the possibility of next season <laughs> could be really
1: strange. Sector Cruz says there will be five Laker girls socially distant. Yeah, (laughs) now
2: one on each corner
1: and then one at half court. God, it's depressing. I mean as long as long as Red Panda can still perform and and the quick okay, before we go, Mo, because you've been you've been around a lot of NBA, and I'm sure you've spoken to people who know things much more than even people like Brian and I have been around the league. Do you know how the quick change duo does their quick change? How do
0: they do that? Do you have any idea how they do it? We had Lana Lanaberry on last night, and we 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 couldn't figure it out. And we just we we need to, how do they do that? Quick change people for people who are not aware.
1: They're a halftime uh, duo, a man and a woman, and the woman
0: and the man too. Correct? They they yeah, they he's they've, close. not yeah, as much as the woman does mostly. Like they've got these uh, sheets set up like a big shower. It's like almost like the shower scene a shower curtain scene in the Karate Kid. Oh. They put them inside. Hey. They shake the shower curtain and they pull it down, and she's wearing something totally different. It's
1: amazing!
0: It's It's, amazing! I can't figure out how she does this. I uh, do they tell you that like once you get an NBA job, like it's like they give you the keys to the facility and like you meet the uh, the staff, and then they tell you how quick change does it.
2: It's in the handbook we get at the start of each season, (laughs) of 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 the rules and things like that. But I cannot divulge. (laughs)
1: Oh, <laughs> lucky bastard mo how they do it why oh, you sleep so well you don't have these things keeping you up at night <laughs> i sleep like a
0: rack. amazing it really is amazing <laughs> it's, it's, it's stunning it's sorcery is what it is like honestly in years years ago you know not even that long ago they would have been burned
2: Oh, okay, this is this is this is and, what and,
0: and quite frankly with cause. I think I think this, it was a smart this is, move.
2: This is what we do next time we're allowed to have people in the stadiums. We record from several different angles.
0: Oh where are the second spectrum people on
2: this? It, it, oh, the second spectrum people gotta have the stats. You know, how quick is she?
1: You this know, she's <laughs> a great idea to pitch to second spectrum. <laughs> <laughs> this, I mean, this would blow up the internet.
2: How come we don't have stats on red panda? Right, all the the second factor, red panda?
0: Yeah, yeah, like
2: why how high does the ball go? You know, like what's her what's her uh, shot probability the, when it's the, this the, angle? The
0: analytics on Slotic when he does that handstand. Are we is he gonna age out of the NBA? Like, did we is 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 he gonna be like the mascot equivalent of Vince Carter, where we never really get to see him finish his career? Because that guy was pretty old when, when he was still doing it. I mean, man can only do handstands on chairs 30 or 40 feet off the floor for so long.
2: Is there a junior along the way? Is there a – maybe these the family sort of uh, secrets that are going to get passed down? Hmm. Listen, I've always been partial to the chihuahua anyways. I've always I been partial
1: to chihuahua. the dogs. That chihuahua, At chihuahua it, who rides the basketball it, yeah. is just amazing. That's, I mean, it, it's adorable.
2: We're, yeah, so you know, I'm, that's my favorite. And there's no trickery. I don't feel like I've been deceived. I don't. <laughs> I don't feel any intensity with with red Good panda. Old
1: bad, honest entertainment mode. That's
2: all I need. Sometimes, sometimes I just want to relax
1: and watch a dog. That dog is so damn cute. <laughs> it's an unbelievably cute dog.
0: It really is. And it. I feel just, like that. that could go on your on your on your tombstone, Mo. Sometimes <laughs> he. Here lies Mo Dekeel, a man who just sometimes wanted to watch a dog. <laughs> just wanted to watch a dog. That's all. Oh man, this is
1: great as always, dude. All right, Thank well, how you. many
0: of you? Are, Mo Dekeel of Bleacher Report and the Athletic, and which, where are you like, you appear on. I'm, I, I really appreciate that you you coming on tonight because there has been nobody who's been working more, particularly in audio, during the NBA <laughs> playoffs, than Mo Dekeel. So, like, what? You, where have you been? Re- what have you been recording? Like, in the last hour and a half? You know what? Tonight was a night
2: where I didn't have anything. I just had to look forward to you guys tomorrow. I recorded this morning. Nerd or she wrote with Dave Dufour and, and Seth Part. Now that's part of the Athletic NBA show. That'll be out tomorrow. I did record point. I was the host of Point of Contention, the uh, the Thursday show on the NBA show. Uh, nice. I filled in for Zach Harper on that one. And that was a lot of fun. So I got to mess around with Ethan Strauss and uh, James Edwards III. So it was a lot of fun. Um, and listen, I, I I try to do as much as I can. If I got time, I'm I'm gonna try to do a pod. Well,
1: uh, as always, man, we we have fun and we appreciate it, man. Thank uh, you very, very much.
2: Anytime I can come on with you guys, I'm always happy to. Like we I said, are a, bit,
1: we are we have a lot of fun. Uh,
2: you are
0: tomorrow night is a game to a palooza. is the plan to come on a little early. I think yeah. is the plan. We're, we're going to come on around 9.30 or so, yeah, give or take. To uh, and then uh, Vinny, Vinny Bonsignor, who covers the Raiders for the Las Vegas Courier-Journal-Enterprise-Press uh, newspaper in Las Vegas, is going to join us to do a little NFL, get us ready for the Raiders and talk about uh, our friend John Gruden. He also uh, knows, the, the really well. yeah, he knows the Raiders really well. He in use, by the way, to work for the Lakers. Yes. So we're
1: actually going to talk to him a little bit about the good old days. Yeah, I that's th- right. Uh, Monday, yes.
0: Josiah Johnson. Tuesday, Harrison Sanford. Uh, and a co-host on uh, Behind... In the Green Room? Behind, I, in, inside the Green... Inside behind, the behind, always, behind the Green Door.
1: Yes, <laughs> I always accidentally call his podcast Behind the Green Door. Yes. That's a porn. <laughs> <laughs> he, he,
2: he can clear all that up on Tuesday. A rather
0: legendary <laughs> porn film. Yes. I should say. Yeah. Marilyn Chambers. Yes. That's We've, not a podcast. That's no, not it's not. <laughs> Thursday, <laughs> Maryland Chambers, and then Friday. I <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll see everybody next time. Thanks. See yeah. you yeah. guys. Doctor you